say thank you to those guys for leading us today. Uh, again, with uh, Jason and taking over today, doing a wonderful, wonderful job of leading us. Who can compare to our Lord God Almighty? Wonderful Father's Day today. Um, it's so great uh, to just uh, think about uh, how much our fathers have meant in our lives. And uh, uh, sometimes it can be a difficult day because we can't always say that. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but as fathers, one of the things, one of the duties that we're supposed to have, and, and uh, whether it's formal or informal, kind of an unwritten duty of a father is to be the one who saves the day, right? And whether it's be the one who saves the day with uh, some project around the house, I keep thinking, thank goodness for YouTube. Uh, thank goodness for the projects that you can find on there. I think I've told this story before, but we had some workmen at my last church that were doing a pretty complicated job of laying black pipe to sprinkle um, an, an area of the church that, that already currently existed. I mean, professionals. And I would just got kind of having a conversation with them. And I said, what happens if you get stuck? You know, I'm thinking they have, you know, some sort of like, you know, the, the sort of plumbing whisperer, you know, some wise gentleman that's been working in the plumbing company for years and he knows everything. And they said, oh, we just go to YouTube. That's what we do. So it's good to know that professionals kind of do the exact same thing when they need to save the day. Uh, and, and just like dads do. But we have a great video here for you about dads saving the day. You may have seen a video, this video before on social media, but this is a great video about dads saving the day. Take a look at this.
Those are definitely videos of when dad saved the day. Dad saved the day. But it reminds us our duty as fathers, we're kind of called on to save the day. But our, our heavenly father, he is truly our good father, the heavenly father, because he more than saves the day uh, when he came to us and, and, and sent Jesus, his son, uh, for salvation. But he is always good unto us. And so we come to this uh, passage here in Luke uh, chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, and Jesus is talking about the heavenly Father, how he gives good gifts unto us. And he gives this parable, and he likens the heavenly Father unto us as earthly fathers. And he says this, he says this, as we come to chapter 11, verse, starting in verse 11, he says this, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will you give him a stone? So he's talking to his audience here, a crowd is gathered, and he says, Look around you at the fathers. If a son asks for bread from any father here among you, will that father give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, if the son asks for a fish, will the father give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he, the father, give him a scorpion? So here's the point Jesus said as he gives that great illustration. If then you, being evil as fathers, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so we, so we ask the question today as we read through this passage and as we dive in and dig in, the question then comes to mind, how do we know truly that God is good unto us? Based upon what Jesus says, we can give a plethora of reasons why the heavenly Father is truly good unto us, but as we zero in here on what Jesus says, how do we know that God is truly good unto us. Look at this on the screen and write this down. Even an imperfect father gives good things to his children. Even an imperfect father, as we all are as human fathers, even an imperfect father gives good things to his children. Therefore, we know, based upon that, the perfect father, the father gives the best. The father gives the best. Lord God, as we come to you today, to your word, Luke chapter 11, And we see you compared to earthly fathers. Not only will we remember that you are the heavenly father that gives us the best. But Lord, may we call upon you as an example. As imperfect as we may be. Lord, may we look to you as the example for all of us as fathers. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now we know just as it comes to any sort of special occasion, sort of special occasion sermon. uh, My disclaimer is, yes... We are using Father's Day just as we use Mother's Day for the jumping off point. Uh, But that doesn't mean that those of you who do not fall into that category don't have something quite profound to learn. Especially when we look at today, the example that we set, what we draw our attention to is the Heavenly Father. The very first thing that we see is that He is the Heavenly Father is perfectly good. Again, it says in verse 11, if a son, as, as he is speaking to the crowd, Jesus is, is gathered around him. If a son asks for you bread, what father among you will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, which father would come and give him a serpent? Or if he asked for an egg, who would give him a scorpion? You see, this is an argument. Just that first statement there sets up an argument, a logical argument from the lesser to the greater. Jesus is using this great illustration and saying, if A is true, then B is certainly must be true. 
And even though these scenarios that he threw out were ludicrous scenarios, Jesus said them in such a way to draw attention to the fact that even an imperfect father knows how to give good gifts. So think about the perfect scenario. If A is true, B must be true. Even us, as imperfect fathers, generally care for our children. Now here's the thing. Some of you may not be able to agree with that statement. Some of you look back into the history of your childhood and growing up, and you may say, you know, when I look back, the, the word that I think of for my father, he was distant. You know, or you may look back and you say the word that most comes to mind is not good, not great, not merciful, but the word that comes to mind is harsh. That's what I think of my father. It was what you may say. Or you may say, when I think of my father, I think no father at all. Some of you, unfortunately, fall into that category. You think, I knew no father at all. But here's the thing. When we look at the heavenly father, and if one of those scenarios or one that it may represent would describe what you think of when you look back upon your situation, your childhood growing up, and you say, I can't quite place in my mind. I had no example of a good father. I only had a distant, a harsh, or a non-existent father. You say, how can I relate this to me? How in the world can I relate my experience with the Heavenly Father? You see, God perfectly fulfills, the Heavenly Father, God himself perfectly fulfills what you intuitively know that you lacked. What we intuitively know that we lack as a a child, what you intuitively felt that you might lack as a child who grew up in a home that may have been distant or harsh or a non-existent father, or even the fact that all of us are imperfect fathers, even if we feel that we're trying to do it best by God's standard and by God's directive and his example, we still um, are human beings. We'll still sin. And so, but there's something about us that we intuitively know that even in one of those scenarios, there's something that we're intuitively lacking. And so if you say, I can't possibly use this example as some sort of an example for what the heavenly father is like, you can at least say what I know I intuitively lacked is what the Bible tells us, what God himself says that he perfectly fulfills. So again, this says, if you, if you then being evil, if you then being evil, we know Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart of man is wicked and evil above all things. You know, it's kind of a common thought in our society that people are basically good, and it's just they're corrupted by circumstances, they're corrupted by um, society as a whole, but what we never do is we never look beyond that kind of surface argument and say, well, what is society made up of? Society isn't just, just doesn't exist in a vacuum. Society is there because of human beings. And that's why when we look at Scripture, it is the the Christian worldview is the perfect explanation for the brokenness that we see in the world around us. And that God tells us that even though we were perfectly created, we're not here by happenstance, we're not here by accident, but that God created the world and all that's in it, and he created the crown jewel of, of, of his creation, which was humanity, that we fell into sin. And so even if we feel that we're doing things fairly well, by the holy standard of God, we're sinful. And so because of that, we can all fall into these scenarios of selfishness. I read about a Michigan man who has has fathered 23 children with 14 different women. 23 children with 14 different women. And he has half a million dollars in unpaid child support. But we think, 
that's an extreme example. But we know when we think of this, when we think of fathers, when we think of the world around us, we don't have to dive very deep to know that there is great brokenness in our world. And from the Christian worldview, when we look at things through God's lenses, it's not that the world is basically good. It's that without Christ in our life, we are basically sinful. We are basically evil. The heart of man is evil and wicked above all things. Because the comparison is not, are we better than our neighbor? Are we better than our friend? Are we better than our coworker? The standard is God himself. But God came. God sent Jesus Christ, his son, to take care of that gap to take care of that sin, as we'll talk more about in just a moment. But we don't have to look very far to know that the Bible is absolutely true. God's word is absolutely on point when he talks about the brokenness, the brokenness in our world. And when we think about that brokenness in the world in our own lives, that's, that selfishness even infects our dearest relationships. You know, we were talking about in our Making Disciples class today, um, I started using this different sort of tool for witnessing in which it highlights brokenness in our world. It highlights the fact that, yes, God created the world perfectly, but sin entered the world, and we see this brokenness. And we don't have to look very far. We don't have to dive very deep into news stories, whether they be on television, on the Internet, or in print, to see that there's great brokenness in our world. And we don't have to look very deeply into our own lives to realize that there's, there's deep brokenness at our own doorstep. And I started using this sort of witnessing tool because of the fact that that really begins to ring a bell with people. And they think, yeah, that's true. When I look beyond my life, when I look out there in the world, there's great brokenness. But when I also turn inward, I look at my own life, look at my own proverbial front door, there's brokenness there. And that brokenness in our own relationships, that selfishness, can even infect our dearest relationships But here's the thing, our imperfection highlights the perfection of God. Just as you might be out there today and you say, I did not have a good example as a father, and so it's hard for me to bridge that gap between what I know of an earthly father and a heavenly father. You can look and you can know what you are lacking in that relationship is something that can highlight what God perfectly fulfills. In the same way, our imperfection highlights God's perfection as a father. So again, it says in verse 11 and 12, if then you being evil, how much more will your heavenly father give good things? You know, the song, was there any surprise that we're going to sing good, good father today, right? No, 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 uh, no question about it. In fact, I saw one church sign that said there's a good, good chance we're going to sing good, good father. I love that sign. You know, one of those where they put up the letters. But, you know, was there any surprise we're going to sing that song today? Absolutely not. But we love that song because it does. It highlights the fact that our Heavenly Father is good unto us. And there's that one line that says, you are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. Our imperfection, where we know we fall short as fathers and mothers and sons and daughters, those that, and, and, and even friends in those dearest of relationships, when we know our selfishness gets in the way and, and it infects even the dearest relationships, that sort of thing, that sort of framework helps us frame the greater reality that God is perfect in all of our way, in all of his ways. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes, as he is perfectly good, sometimes that means that our perfect father perfectly withholds what we uh, perfectly withhold things in, in our lives. Our perfect father sometimes perfectly withholds from us. God doesn't always, look at this, write this down. God doesn't always give you what you want, he gives you what's best. This is really important. 
God doesn't give you what you want. He gives you what's best. Oftentimes, what we want in our lives is not what we truly need. Because again, even if we are born again in Jesus Christ, we've been made new. Sometimes we're still looking through the lenses of, of, of sinfulness. Sometimes we're still looking through the lenses of selfishness. Sometimes we're still looking through the lenses of worldliness. And there's something that we think is best for us. And it may be have, have a sense of expediency. It will make me happy now. It will give me pleasure now. But God knows in the end, it's not what's best for you. And so as part of God being a perfectly good father, sometimes he perfectly withholds from us. Not only that, but our perfect father perfectly corrects. He corrects us. Hebrews 12, 5 through 8 says this, As you have forgotten the exhortations which speak to you as sons, he says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. That means the correction of the Lord. Sometimes it's encouragement. Sometimes it's rebuke. He says, don't uh, despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. You see, for me as a father, it is not a loving act for me to never correct my children. That's not a loving act. You know, that's pop psychology. That's not scripture. You know, to, to think that it's a loving act to never correct them when they're doing wrong. Because if I never correct my children when they're doing wrong, they will never grow up to be well-adjusted citizens of society and many other things. They'll grow up thinking that the world revolves around them. Even those of us who have been corrected well even as adults, we struggle with sometimes growing up and living as though the world revolves around us. You see, and in the same way, God, it's not a loving thing. It is not a loving act for God to withdraw rebuke and withdraw correction when we walked in and we walked outside of his, his, his boundaries for what's best in our life. And in fact, it's just the opposite. When he corrects us, that is a sign that we are his children because he is a loving father wanting to direct us back into what's going to bring us the most pleasure and peace and satisfaction in life. So if we as imperfect fathers, understanding again the point of this section that he is perfectly good, if we as imperfect human fathers have the basic instinct to do good things for our children, how much more so will the perfectly just father of heaven do good things unto us? So the first thing, again, that we see here in Jesus' very simple but profound illustration is that God, the Heavenly Father, He is perfectly good unto us. Not only that, but number two, He gives us the best gifts. He gives us the best gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit and salvation. You know, one of the greatest gifts that Allie ever received on Mother's Day was my grill last year. Right? Yeah, you did catch that, didn't you? Yeah, I know. Look at her shaking her head. We still joke, like, how in the world? It was Mother's Day, and I did get her a gift. I did. But it was just one of these weird timing things last year around Mother's Day where I got a grill. I got a new grill on Mother's Day weekend. Like, how did I work that out? You know? I know. I know. Look at, yeah, Brad giving me a hard time about that. I know. We still to this day are like, how, how did that happen? And yes, I did get her something for Mother's Day. But yes, her greatest gift was I got a grill for Mother's Day. And I'm like, how in the world did that work out? But we think about some really good gifts that we receive for Father's Day or really good gifts that we might receive for our birthday or Christmas. But the greatest gift that we've ever been given for those of us who know Christ as our Savior is salvation. 
absolutely as salvation. And he says here in verse 13, Jesus says, how much more so if, if, if earthly fathers that are imperfect and can be sinful, even of those who have known Christ as our Savior, we can still be sinful and selfish. If we can give good gifts to our children because there's this basic instinct of loving them, how much more so will the perfect heavenly Father give you good gifts? And the greatest gift among those, the good gift par excellence, is the Holy Spirit, synonymous with salvation. Look at this. Write this down again. He gives us the best gift. He gives us himself through the person of the Holy Spirit. God gives us the best gift. He gives us himself through the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, when we give ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, we take on, we are, become a child of God, and the God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we now have relationship through them. Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. It's synonymous with salvation and also the person, the gift of the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our life, as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and other places. So not only is it synonymous with the fact that we give our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, we've been forgiven and cleansed and, and, and we take Jesus Christ as the Lord of our life, but we also have the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, who comes to dwell within us so that when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we become forgiven. We're not out there twisting in the wind trying to figure out life on our own. But the Holy Spirit gives us guidance. He is God with us continually. He is God with us continually. He is also the one who is the assurance of our salvation, as it says in Ephesians, that he is the seal of our salvation. He is also the agent of sanctification in our life. He is the one that is conforming us to the image of Jesus, the one who is stripping away the, the, the things that don't match Jesus, the things that don't uh, appear to be Jesus. He is daily stripping those things away and left in its place as pleasure and peace and sanctification and joy forevermore. He is the one who guides us. He is the one who guides us so that when we live the life as a Christian, that we're out there when we are living in the world on the front lines of trying to make disciples, he is the one guiding us. He also says that, the Bible also says that he fills us. He infills us. So at the moment of salvation, we are infilled by the Holy Spirit, but we can be daily filled, that energizing and control of the Holy Spirit. When we come and we say daily, I surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Not only that, but he illuminates the word. The Holy Spirit illuminates the word. So the, the eternal word of truth that is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, when we read it, the Holy Spirit in our life illuminates the world, the word to us. Then, of course, at the moment of salvation, he indwells us. He indwells us, and as he does, he begins to, again, do that work of sanctification in our life. Uh, 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 bringing and fostering Christ-likeness in our life, and then it bears itself out in the fruit of the Holy Spirit of love and joy, peace, peace patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. So whether we're father, a mother, a, a, a daughter, or a son, no matter who it is, no matter where we find ourselves in, in whatever relationship, human relationship, we can live out those fruits of the Spirit perfectly in our life. So we know from Jesus' uh, uh, his, his parable here that the Father is good. He is perfectly good unto us, and he gives us the best. And so we say to ourselves, as we kind of draw this to a close through some application to our lives, based upon God's example, based upon God's example, what should you do? Whether you're a father, whether you're a mother, whether you're 
a son, a daughter, whether you're someone that's in any sort of human relationship, what should you do? This, this applies perfectly to any human relationship. What do we do? We strive to follow God's example. Strive to follow God's example. If you know Christ is your Savior, the Holy Spirit dwells within. It's not your power, but it's the power of God working in you to carry these things out. Strive to follow God's example. He is a patient father. He is a patient father. I know even as a father, sometimes there are times where I will lose my patience and I have to look unto God and say, he is the perfect father, perfectly patient, merciful. He is always merciful unto us when we sin. He's merciful and he's forgiving, forgiving to the person, his son of Jesus Christ. So knowing you will not be perfect as a father, knowing you will not be perfect as a mother, a son, a daughter, a friend, whoever it may be, knowing you will not be perfect, what do you do? Be quick to ask for forgiveness. Be quick to ask for forgiveness. It's one of the toughest things for us to do because pride gets in the way. It is a matter of laying down our pride. Pride is what gets in the way of us saying, uh, yeah, you know what, I really messed that up. I sinned. Will you please forgive me? Because it's admitting that we're wrong. It's admitting that in the midst of our universe that sometimes revolves around us, that we're not always right. Be quick to ask for forgiveness. Look at this. Ruthlessly remove all things that, must, that may cause you to sin. If you know there's something in your life that causes you to sin, ruthlessly remove all things that may cause you to sin. Be a man, and number three, be a man, a woman, a child, whatever it may be, a friend, be a man, a woman who loves the father more than your family. If you want to be the best father you can be to your kids, the best mother you can be, the best friend, the best child, if you want to be the best that you can be, be a man, a woman, a child who loves the father more than you love the person that you're in a relationship with. All things order properly under that. When you love God, number one, when he has place, number one, and things are distant second, when he has place, number one, in your life, guess what? Number two, number three, number four, number five, number six, number seven, and so on through your human relationships are all strengthened because God is number one. And then remember this. It's not a matter of your own power. If you know Christ is your Savior, God's gift of the Holy Spirit empowers you to follow him. So here's the thing. Even an imperfect father, even an imperfect father gives good things to his children. Even an imperfect one. The perfect father, though, he gives the best. With that in mind, you be a man, you be a woman, a child, a friend. Be one who loves the father even more than those relationships that you care so much about. Be that one that loves the Father even more than those. Let's pray. Lord God, as we come today, we pray that uh, you would help us to keep that in mind and that proper order in our lives. Sometimes we get it so backwards. We can say if we know that there's a difficulty, if there's a sticking point in our human relationships, we try to work on that relationship. We try to do our best all the time. You are number two or three or four or five, wherever you may be, if we're honest with ourselves down the list. But Lord, help us to know that when you are in place number one and everything else is distant, even those things that take place two, three, four, and so on, those relationships become strengthened all the more. 
Lord, help us to remember that. Remember that we have the Holy Spirit in our lives to strengthen all of these human relationships. Father, mother, children, friend, and otherwise. We have the Holy Spirit so that we're not doing it on our own. But Lord, you give us that great gift. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.